many times have you thought, I would love to do this or that? Maybe write a book, start a charity, create a kid's puppet show, build a sustainable clubhouse, go on the trip of a lifetime, create a production company, whatever that thing is for you, I hope this podcast inspires you to believe you can. I'm Karen Vaughan and this is the Get Off The Bench Podcast. And welcome back to another week of the Get Off the Bench podcast. This week I am chatting with Brock Williams. Now you might remember that Brock was on um, on the podcast back in about July last year, and he was pl- then he was planning to run from Adelaide to Rosedale, which is about a thousand kilometres. And he was talking about the prep and talking about the reasons why it was to raise money for his friend Xavier, who has cancer. And well, not for him, for the Sony Children's Foundation, but was inspired by Xavier. And he has now done the run. And so today I'm chatting with him about uh, all the trials and tribulations of that run. Uh, There were some injuries. There were really tough days, um, heat, physical injuries, breaking down, you know, so many things that uh, so many reasons why he could have said, screw this, I'm going home. He didn't. He pushed through it. And how it felt for him to get to that finish line, we'll also get to hear how much money he raised, and it's a phenomenal amount, helping so many families. So I think you're really going to love this. If you're in, if you're a runner, great, this will inspire you. If you're not a runner, hopefully this will inspire you to say, you know what, I want to live a life that's bigger than what I'm living currently, and that I am more capable than I think I am. And when I, when I live with a lot of meaning and purpose, and really feel the feels at either end of it. Um, um, you know, life becomes so much better. So I think you're really going to love this conversation. So let's get into it. Welcome, Brock. Thank you, Karen. Thanks for having me back on. I appreciate it. Well, it's my pleasure. And I, if everyone who doesn't remember, Brock was on, oh, uh, probably six months ago, I think we had you on and you were preparing for your run from Adelaide to Rosedale. And back then we were talking about all the preparation and and why and all that kind of stuff you've completed the run now and there were it wasn't let's just say it was it didn't just go completely to plan and there were some hiccups oh, and everything else. <laughs> so I want to talk about that because um often we hear about people planning to do things and then we never hear the outcome you know we know that they made it but um what sort of challenges did they go through you know what what were some of the hardships what did they not expect you know um how did they feel at the end of it you know all that kind of stuff so that's the stuff I want to talk about today and so if people can go back and if they want to go back and listen to your first interview and then and then listen to this one so um, so you ran from Adelaide to Rosedale um how many kilometres was that? Uh, it was around, I call it a 1,000. It was about 993 or something all, all up. Yeah, finished it at, at the Rosedale Hotel, bought it to, it was, yeah, it was around 992 or 993. So it was just shy of a 1,000, but uh, I'll call it a 1,000. Ah, you might as well. I'm sure there was a thousand in between going into sleep into the van and all that. Sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, <laughs> that's, oh, that's good. How many days did it take you? Uh, so I started on December the 1st and I finished on the Sunday, December the 17th. So it was about, about 17 days all up. But on the 17th day, I was done by, done by 12.30, so about 16 and a half. Oh, well, we won't count the half. We'll just go 17. Yeah, so, yeah. Dude, that's, um, that's, that's a, lot of, a lot of ground to cover in, in 17 days. It is, Have yeah. It-, it still doesn't feel real. Like knowing I, – I, I know that I've done it, but it doesn't actually feel – Real to know that I run that far because yeah we I'm sure we'll touch on it soon but like I did I've done the drive over a few days before and that was when I really started thinking geez this is a long way and even now like when I'm back and forth between Melbourne and Rosa I'm, like it's like three it's like three or four times that distance um yeah. I was thinking hey how did I do that by foot but yeah they were long days but it's the proudest achievement of my life by fair stretch I think it's wonderful when you say they're long days how many hours roughly like average. Yeah, we'd wake up at four o'clock every morning, um, try and be on the road by five thirty to six, running. Oh, the good there weren't too many good days, but the earliest days would be two thirty to three. That was like day one when I was fresh, and then day six we had a pretty good day. Or day five it was, sorry. But then most days ended up being around like four, four 
four till five o'clock. Uh, um, wow. Yeah, they'll probably obviously there were lunch breaks and stuff in there and a few breaks just when I had to get off my feet when they heard it too much. But yeah, moving time was generally around the seven to eight eight hours. Wow! And how many kilometers would you cover in that time? Um, I'm, the average was around around sixty kilometers a day. There were a few days. Um, that were less and there were a few days that were more. But, yeah, if you, you average it all up, it's, it's around 60, 60 k's a day. Yeah. And when you when you were prepping, how many k's were you running each day in preparation for that? Well, a lot of people would probably laugh at this. I don't know whether it was like me being naive, confident, or just lazy with it. But on my k's, I've done a few big, like, 100k weeks. There was one that was up around 160. But a lot of them were kind of around that 60 to 80 ballpark. I, I spoke to enough people that had done Big challenges kind of like that. And they said, if you're going to, you're going to train, if you're going to start running the distance that most would think you need to train to do, like you might as well just start the challenge. So I was confident enough, like, well, I had a decent foundation of strength training. That was probably my priority because I didn't want to break down and get severely injured. I had a few injuries throughout, which, yeah, we'll touch on. But the strength mm-hmm. training was probably the main thing. I was running from any, anywhere from 60 to 80 Ks a week generally. So that's a week, but then when you did the thing, you transferred that to days. So yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> I was I was running running me weekly totals in in a day. In a mind. day. Were you when you did the first? Which day? Because you know when when you start anything, you start sort of strong, and then you there's a point a few days in when you go, "What the fuck am I doing?" Yeah. Which day? Which day did that hit you? Uh probably day three, day one. There were hard moments of every day. Day one was hard because there was so much elevation, like the hill was out of Adelaide, but I didn't – physically it was hard, but mentally I didn't dwell on it too much because I knew that was going to be the worst of the elevation. Day two was hard because of the headwinds, and I just thought after that, I'm like, right, I was just throwing everything at me. This this can't get worse now. And day three, it just it got a lot worse. It was the first day that was up around 40 degrees, and it was just – I'd never ran that far that many days in a row. The, the Doms was – the Doms was the worst on day three, and then – yeah, by the time I stopped running on day three, it really caught up with me. And that night was the worst pain I've ever been in. Like, I've broken a few bones and stuff before in my life, but nothing even compares to, yeah, the night of day three. It, it was just agonizing. I was less, I remember I was getting treatment from Huey, my, um, uh, the bloke who came along to help me for it. I'm sure it was a great story, but he was trying to tell me this story about, um, it was from, from the Holocaust, this um, kid who, like, yeah, unfortunately, his, his parents got taken away by the, um, the Nazis and stuff, and he never got to see his parents again. But it was just, it was all in one area out the other. I just, he was trying to divert my attention from what was going on in my mind. I just, I couldn't get the pain out of my mind. It was just, it, it was next level. It was honestly the worst pain I've ever been in the night of day three. And yeah, I just kept crying and breaking down. I think that was also a combination. I knew how far I was from home, and there was, it was for real now. There was no mm. no way of getting out of it. You know, it was exciting in the lead up and stuff too. The run getting to talk about it, people thought it was cool and whatever. But yeah, then it come time to do the job and running running that far east day and that amount of pain isn't that much fun. So yeah, day mm. day three at home, what I had to do. When you said your DOMS, what what's your DOMS like for That's us non athletic people? We, yeah. what is that? <laughs> so, sorry, delayed onset muscle soreness. So like you know how you get stiff after a workout or, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whenever yeah. It's kind of that, which, yeah, day two, it wasn't there. And I, was, I was probably, me being a bit naive and arrogant again, I just thought, right, I'm prepped for this. It's going to be, this is going to be all right here. And then, yeah, day three, I woke up, I could barely move. And, yeah, well, it wasn't good day three. Doms, delayed onset muscle soreness. Yes, I get that after, you know, soaring down trees and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. Oh, yeah. It's good the next day, but by God, the day after. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's no. Okay. Yeah, it was pretty bad. So, did you. When you're saying, um, you know, you, you, you're at that point and it's kind of like I never expected this, you know, I, I all the hype at the start, planning it, and then all of a sudden I've broken down and, you know, you you were crying, and which I'll touch on too because I think it, uh, thank you for admitting that because a lot of people won't admit when shit goes wrong. But yeah. were you, was there a point where in that where you went, fuck this, I'm not doing it, I'm, I can't, I just can't go? Yeah, the start of day three was pretty bad. I broke down to my girlfriend Twana a little bit there, but then you come back to your locus of control fairly quickly. But it's very rare that us as humans we live in the present. We're always thinking about the next thing, the next day. So I just, I, I just stopped thinking about Rosa. I stopped thinking about December the seventeenth. I just started thinking, right, let's just take this, this, the next, fe- the next footstep. Sorry, to the best of your ability, and then. 
yeah, there's very very few times in life where I I can't take another step. I can't think. Maybe, maybe the end of day three was was one of them. I reckon, <laughs> but um, I yeah, like every day I knew it wasn't going to be forever. So I, there's little mindset tactics and stuff that I have. I knew there was going to be a time where like. I'm sitting inside on a podcast talking to you. I wasn't going to be running from Adelaide to Rosa and being some of the worst pain I've ever been in forever in my life. So, mm. yeah, the pain generally takes over and you can't can't think properly through it. But, you know, I'd like to think one of my strengths is being able to think properly through it. And as soon as, yeah, the bad thoughts creep in, they, they leave they leave as quickly as they come in because I try, yeah. I try not to pain them. Yeah, but not when you're in that much pain for that long. Like that's – when did the pain subside? How many days did it take? Uh, probably – it had ebbed and flowed. Um, the delayed onset muscle soreness was was never there again after day three. But then, yeah, a few injuries started creeping in around day six. So day six to day ten was, uh, yeah, yeah, day six to day ten was pretty pretty ordinary. They they were pretty full of pain the whole time. Then I don't know. The last week was just it was like it was like the first ten days were just a test, and God just said, right, let, let's just throw everything at him. Let's see what he's got in there. Yeah, the last last week it sounds stupid, but it was actually half easy. Like my body was just ready. I all the pain subsided. I knew it didn't matter what it took. I was finishing it. Like I ended up, I'd run like four sixty k's, two seventies, and a thirty to finish off, and there was just no pain. It was like I was running on flowers last week. So yeah, after after around day day ten, it, it started to subside. Yeah, and when you said the gods threw everything at you, um. Yes, they did, and even trucks going past and throwing up, throwing up all the water all over your face. Were there days when you were just like, "Oh, just God, is there a better track? Is can I go on a back road? Can I go somewhere else because this is crap?" Yeah, hundred percent. It was. Oh, I can't remember the name of the town. It was around day eight though, and it was just like the headwinds were just brutal. Okay, yeah, it was one of the Victorian towns. I'd be able to find it pretty soon. Um, and it was when I had my ITB injury and I couldn't run. It was just like the longest, most dead, dead straight road. It was just headwinds and trucks the whole time. Like I was pretty, that was towards the point I started to get pretty skinny on the run. So like the trucks that come past, feel like they're, they're blowing your back. Like it was just, I, I couldn't run at all at that point. But yeah, it just felt like I was getting nowhere. So that, as I said, I can't remember. The, it might have been the day I was heading in, into Caniva, but it just, I, I couldn't get anywhere for the life of me. That, that just sucked. I just thought there's got to be another way other than this. But, like I said, then it just come back to Roto. Let's let's get to that speed sign in the distance. Let's get to that that thing on the horizon there. Stop stop thinking about Rosedale. Stop thinking about Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of a lot of mental talk the whole way through it. Yeah, hundred percent. I kind of thought on the well, like you said before, you can't really ignore the pain. And I thought on the drive over, I'm like, Roto. Hopefully this will be good to sort like um kind of zone out at certain points and just like. Yeah, be be absent from your thoughts, but it was just so far from that. Like every step you get a reminder of the pain. Uh, if it wasn't, you weren't in pain. It was just hot as anything. So, yeah, yeah. it was pretty. You were just. It was just a mental game. The whole you just in your head for 10, 12 hours of the day. The only good times were really when you're finishing. Finally, got to put the feet up. Wow. And when um, you just said before about an ITB injury. What what's that? So the ITB stands for iliotibial band. It's it's a sheet of fascia that runs down the, the side of your thigh, um, and oh yeah, I end up with a bit of ITB syndrome day eight. It would have been so. What, how that happens is something in your glute or your lower back isn't activating properly. And long story short, your ITB shouldn't be absorbing much of the load when you're running, um, but because my glute or lower back, which are the muscles that should be absorbing some of the load, weren't firing properly, the ITB starts to compensate. Mm. And it ends up just like on the outside of your knee. It feels like someone's got a screwdriver and just whack it into the side of your knee. And I just I couldn't run at all. As much as I tried to, I just I just it wouldn't get any better. And then luckily enough, yeah, on the night of day ten, a myotherapist come up and seen me. Um and yeah, helped me out from there and sucked like she had like this gun and it just I didn't really know how it worked, but I guess in layman's terms it just sucked a heap of the inflammation out of there. But yeah, that that was pretty grim around that time. I got I got to Horsham and I couldn't I, I, I kept trying to run and I just kept breaking down and crying because I thought, oh, fuck, I'm going to actually have to walk from Washington to Roselle here. Could, could you walk? You could still walk on it? Yeah, I could, yeah. There was an evident limp when I did walk. Um, yeah, but I, I couldn't I couldn't run. I could walk. But no, I wasn't setting any pace records as well when I was walking. But, yeah, we contemplated with getting like um, – I was ringing my boss um, who's pretty switched on fast throughout and we were thinking about putting a steroid shot in it. But then we thought there's a steroid shot can do more harm than good because it doesn't actually really fix it. it just got kind of mass the pain, and then yeah, yeah. I've only got 
one or two in either leg. So we didn't want to end up with any long-term damage or anything. Mm. But yeah, it was just like, luckily enough though, it got better. The body's pretty amazing at what, what it can do in healing. So yeah. especially yeah. when I was putting it through what I was doing each day. Mm. Wow. So when you, when you, so by the way, everybody listening, um, uh, Brock is a chiropractor, so he's talking about all these muscles that none of us really understand anyway. But what he's saying is um, that his leg was bloody sore and he, and he couldn't keep going. Yeah. And, and most of us would have given up at that point or or, or been really cranky at that point. But um, when you said about, um, you know, you, you saw a myotherapist and you, you also had a friend who came up who did some work with you, Um as far as a support crew goes, did you? How many did you take with you? Who did you take with you? And what role did they play? How much, like, as in, how much did they help to keep you upright on the the mentally hard days? Yeah, so for, I'll touch on who come first. So uh, my girlfriend Tuana, she come the whole seventeen days. One of my best mates from university, Hume Hurley, he come with me the whole time. He's a chiropractor. Oh, no, he was without me for two nights, sorry, because he had his graduation ball. I can't remember what nights they were, but, yeah, he was giving me treatment the whole time. Dad come for the first six days. So he had to leave, yeah, the start of day six, actually, I think, um, to get back for work. Me best mates from school, John T, McGuinness and Charlie come, and they come up on day 10, and they put in a good stint with me, walking from, walking from Horsham to... Are up, which was great. Mum um, come up from days eight to ten, and so did Uncle Cam. So uh, pretty much the whole time, except for two days, I had two other people there with me. Then yeah, there were people coming in and out. I would have. There are a fair few that were going to come up that second weekend, but it just it was pretty dangerous. Like you, you're not far from the traffic. Like it's not, it's not. Yeah. You can't have yeah six people walk on the side of the road, but yeah. Yeah, in terms of your question, how much they help? Like pretty much if if they weren't there, I'd. I reckon I'd be maybe Mount Barker, which is 30 k's out of Adelaide currently. Like it's just, it's it's massive what they do. But you kind of one of the things I have to be seen to be believe. Like I didn't have to think out on the run. All all I had to do was run, sleep, and eat, and shower in the morning. Like all my food was ready for me the whole time. I just text them whatever was ready. They yeah, like lunch break. There was no sitting around waiting for things. There was yeah, painkillers and everything ready to go all the time. Like it was um. And even like just uh, dad got on the bike most days, the first five days, it was like 40 degrees. He just manned it the whole time. He just he didn't care at all. He was putting in like 40, 50K days on the bike. So that was, wow. That, they were the times you kind of, except for day three when he was riding with you, they were the times you kind of, you kind of would forget about it a little bit and just felt like you were, you were hanging out with your dad. And so but yeah, it was it was massive what they they would do for you. It was pretty cool to like see how excited they, they were by it all. But yeah, mm. it was, it was Excited and proud, no doubt. Yes, yeah, exactly. You know, you know, dad, dad's pretty quiet, but yeah, Hume he told me a story uh, the night of day four. Dad and Hume drove back to where we were staying together, and like he was telling Hume how proud he is, and Hume waited, waited until I was having a pretty, pretty shit day to tell me that, and you find, find another gear then. It's pretty cool, and like there were that many messages and stuff to read, even though you don't really have time to read read them all. Yeah, like, yeah. Once you're done running, you want to eat and then just sleep the rest of the night, but um. Yeah, like the amount of people that reached out, there's, the world's filled with some pretty good people. Yeah, 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 I wondered. I, I, I just want to go back before, I want to ask you about people that you met, but um, I interviewed Simon Harvey on here uh, last year and he walked from Brisbane to um, Brisbane to Melbourne and then he's, yeah. I, I see now he's just recently walking around Australia and he doesn't take anyone with him, do you? Can you imagine doing that without anybody? Like, I I, yeah, I that's pretty, yeah, that's yeah, that's off its head. I get maybe like I don't want to like, put myself in. A, I don't want to sound like a wank here, but yeah, maybe I could see myself doing it walking. But yeah, that's it's still nonetheless, it's amazing. That's it's pretty pretty amazing achievement to do that solo. It's yeah, that's yeah. really incredible because he'd be carrying a lot of lot of shit with him. It wouldn't be much fun. Yeah, well, I think I think um, support crews are just essential. Where did you sleep? Like, did you have a van that came with you and you slept in that, or did you sleep in motels or something on the way? Uh, we did have a van, um, which was a support vehicle the whole time. Um, Dave Dyer and Joe Dyer from who the Dyer, Dyer's trucking company from down home were just some of the best people I've ever met in in my life. Like, yeah, there'll be no words that I can ever say that'll actually 
get across how I feel about them. They're just amazing people. They gave off their surfing the whole time, which was so cool uh, of them. Just no, no hassle at all. But we had a lot of places, like I said before, there's world's field was pretty, pretty good people. We had free accommodation all nights bar two, I think it was um, just from yeah, my uncle Cam and my old boss in Rose OE and maybe like um, contacting places that we're going to be kind of staying in along. And yeah, there's, Enough people when they're here doing for children's cancer charity want to want to reach out and help. So I think there were two nights uh, we had to pay for accommodation. So we're staying in like motels and pubs and stuff. And the two nights we had to pay because we were either ahead of schedule or behind schedule on where we, yeah. we anticipated that we we're going to be on those nights. Mm. Oh, that's really nice of people. Did you meet a lot of um, like? Did people come out to meet you? Did people hear about it? Or did you stop? You know, telling people about like. When you were stopped, was telling people about what you're doing, and people were extending kindness. You know, like like how much? Because it's very easy to go. The world's a shitty place, right? Like we're we're all pissed off with people, and you know everyone's yeah. getting crankier and all that kind of stuff. And so it's very hard to sort of keep bringing our mindset back to no, no, the world's full of kind people. Like it really is. Do you know? So did did that did that experience happen for you that you met a lot of kind people and and you started thinking, you know what, the world's full of bloody good people. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, like, um, yeah, just some of the people that, like, there'd be people pulling out, like, a lot of the truck drivers, I can't remember the name of the company, but there was this one truck company in Adelaide that, like, a truck was passing on average, like, every 11 minutes was, and they were all, like, all of them would have been on the horn. There was obviously, there was enough getting played on the radio and a little bit in the South Australian news when I left and stuff, and then by the end, just a lot of the truck drivers had seen me numerous times, so they were, like, on the horn pulling over giving cash donations and everything then yeah wow. like a lot of people yeah it was pretty cool and then a lot of people would um pull over and ask you if you, your car had broken down or you need to lift you but this is when you're in 60k out of Adelaide you're like no I'm just some I'm running to Gippsland at the moment I'm all good <laughs> and then um because yeah I, I, it obviously been fairly well broadcasted back down home like in um in Gippsland by the time I got to there like that last I felt, I felt like a celebrity the run from um Traveling to Rosa, like every most cars were on the horn. There were people pulling over and asking for photos and giving off a little heavy cash donations and stuff. It was pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. So well, yeah. Go on. No go. Um. Yeah. Sorry. It was. I was kind of like the last day, really, when I from the Traveling Hospital. This, like, there were so many cars on the horn and stuff. Because like from Melbourne to Traveling, you had to run on the back roads and stuff. So like on the old South Gippsland Highway or whatever it's called, and yeah. no one really seen there. But I ran on the the highway the last day, and yeah, there were a lot of a lot a lot of kind people. So and 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 how many how many people like was anybody coming out to go oh yeah Brock's going to come past in a minute you know like the big um Hawthorne Premiership Motorgate whatever would you motor whatever call that thing you know like were, were people standing out there waiting for you to come past or am I just imagining some fantasy in my head? Uh, when I got to Rosedale there was a fair few there was um a few people in Charlton on the last day like at the start of the last day that were. We're driving around because I put enough of it on my socials on where I was going to be at what time. And there were a lot of people also texting that wanted to come out and see me on it when roughly when I was going to be in Charlton. So yeah, there were a few people. Um, not not so much big crowds as such, except for except for probably Rosedale. But yeah, there were most most people were on the streets of Rosedale in the end. So that that was yeah that that was pretty cool running into that, which I'm sure we'll touch on soon. I want to talk about that, um, but before I do, because I want I want to just touch on why why you did the run because uh, that'll give me more meaning to uh you coming into rosedale so why i know we said it in the first um podcast yep. but w- why did you do it yes yeah, so over those who haven't listened to the first one of my good mates from home xavier mills last summer when i was working at the at maver chiropractic rosedale was diagnosed with an osteosarcoma in his lo- lowest spine sorry in his, his tailbone area and um from there, yeah, my running was kind of taken off around the same time. And I said, look, I'll, I remember Shane Crawford doing this run when I was a kid. Um, you, pick, you pick a charity, I'll do the run. And, yeah, he, he was on board straight away and he picked the, the Sony Children's Foundation. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It, feel, it feels like yesterday, look, we, we had this conversation. It's just – it's weird to to know a lot where it's actually taking place and stuff in between. Like, it was just mm. – through young kids who kind of come up with an idea, like I was 20, 21 at the time. Yeah, 21 at the time, Zay would have been 18. So obviously there was so many people that helped out in between, but it's, it's pretty cool that it just started with a conversation between two kids who weren't really that that, that high of age, I suppose. 
Yeah, and 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 that age where you'd normally be out getting pissed, you know, hanging out with your mates, being a dickhead, but you've decided no, this is this is bigger than me, and this is um, well worth maturing for, you know, but acting a bit more mature. Um, but by the way, Xavier, you said a, a, a something sarcoma, but that that is cancer in his back, you know. So um, yep. it's it's for children's cancer is a so. This tell us about the Sony Children's Foundation. What do they do? Yeah, so they, they it was specifically for their You Can Stay program, which is what um was the actual part of the charity that Xavier selected. Um, so they provide free accommodation for I think it's five to twenty five year olds and their families to stay in in whether it's Melbourne, Sydney, doesn't whatever state you're from to be closer to to the best forms of treatment. So like for Xavier, I think he was staying at the Novotel in St Kilda. I could get that wrong, but yeah, like he's had to do that many trips up to. Up to Melbourne, like there were, he was telling me that he was doing it like three or four times a week at one point. Oh. And obviously, hotels aren't cheap; they're not a gold coin donation. Um, and yeah, they sorted all that out um, for him the whole time. So, and that they were awesome. Like they were promoting my run to, to the hills the whole time throughout, like checking in, see how I was going. Did a really nice post at the end of it, and then yeah, they gave me kind of a summary on it um, afterwards. On like because we raised around forty five thousand dollars, I think it was. Wow. It's a lot of money. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, they said after it, there was around, it gave six months' worth of accommodation to 200 kids and their families with cancer, which was, yeah, that was kind of the best. That, that was the best part about it. Wow. That's amazing. I was going to ask you how much, so thanks for telling. 45000 That that And then when you said exactly, you know, six months' uh, accommodation for two or 300 families, that's huge. And when you've got cancer or when you're dealing with something like that, you're already filled with, um, one, you're filled with fear, you know, so your brain's only focusing on, I just want to get better, you know, that sort of stuff. You can't work, like no one's earning money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. that's happening. And and then you've got this financial crisis on top of it, you know, and and it does feel like your world world's just crashing in, you know, and it's, you know, I've been through this with my brother-in-law, my sister, and fortunately we had a, um, an, a cousin who had a house in Melbourne, you know, so we were able yeah, to stay there yeah. for a bit. But if we couldn't have done that, like we had to pay for a motel for a, probably a week before that, and, and it was kind of like, well, how are we going to keep this up? Yeah, how are we yeah, going to keep paying it's for not this? not how expensive all that stuff is, but like I said before, yeah, there's plenty of good people in the world and there's what the Sony Children's Foundation do for yeah. Children and their families is, is amazing. You can't really, you can't put a price on that type of stuff. No, no, you can't. I think it's not just the money. I think it, people don't realize how, how, um, how much that contributes to your healing when you just know people who don't even know you have got your back. Do you know? So, so yeah, now yeah, exactly. go on. No, I was saying it, exactly right. Yeah, 100% I couldn't have said that better myself. Yeah. So, so when you, so knowing all this, you know, this is why you did it. You and Xavier, Xavier lives in Rosedale, like he's from Rosedale, you're from Rosedale, it's your hometown. You've decided to do this big run. Everyone knows about it. They're all kind of getting behind you. By the way, a lot of your prep was running around loops around Rosedale. Everybody, yeah, exactly. Everyone thinking you're a mad nut. I'm running off to do a marathon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no worries, Brock. Anyway, you did it. Um, and so when you came um, back, and we're, we are so disappointed we missed it. We were in Cambodia or Vietnam at the time and was like, but we were watching, we were supporting from afar, Go Brocky. It was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> oh, it was just, you know, it was so good. We were watching the, watching your Facebook and that. And when you came into Rosedale and, you know, there were people lining the streets and you finished, I think, just behind the pub or somewhere you had, you had it set up. How did that feel? Like, like, I don't know. Just how did that feel when you saw yeah. those people? Yeah, it was the best day of my life pretty easily. It was, um, uh, it was just, yeah, I know. Like, like I said, the whole thing still doesn't feel real. And seeing the pub that day, it was just, yeah, it was, off, it was crazy. And then the whole, most of the streets were lining up. Like I had a police escort into town. It was just, <laughs> yeah, put it, right. it was like, it was a bit of relief that it was just over. It was more just like, yeah, just like an overwhelming sense of pride to, know that I'd stuck something out that that was that hard, especially those first 10 days I had every reason to quit. There were more than enough messages, people saying you've done enough already. And then it would have, everyone would have understood if I had pulled the pin when I was injured and um, doing more harm than good to my body. But I stuck it out. I said 12 months ago, whatever it was before. No, it was like six months actually that I was going to do something. And yeah, it was like from, I used to be a dickhead when I was younger and yeah, stick through something that hard, that big and, 
do do what it did for people um and just see how many how many people actually did affect like yeah it was um it was pretty cool running into the pub and just seeing how many people there were there there would have been a couple hundred yeah the whole streets was lining up it was just it was amazing wow now, before I talk about the rest of that, I just want to touch back on you saying um, how earlier you were saying about, you know, breaking down in tears because of the pain and the frustration and everything else. And then coming into uh, Rosedale, there would have been tears of joy. Do you, you know, it's just like, wow, this is just, wow. You know, like my, my, my life has purpose. Like, you know, like this is bringing so much meaning to so many things. And you just said then... Um, that when you're a little bit younger, and we're only talking a couple of years younger, you were you were a dickhead, and you know when what what a lot of us people do is they never grow out of that. I'm not saying they don't grow out of being a dickhead, but they grow out of that. Um, that uh, I just want to be cool. I just want to show up as tough. You know, I just want to show up um, as kind of like yeah, I got this shit. Do you, you know, so and I don't want to feel the bad feels and, you know, all that, you know, they kind of suppress everything and just kind of show up with a mask. And so, and I was talking on my podcast last week with Amy about this is that, you know, we, if we, if we only want to feel one point of pain, we only ever get to feel one point of joy, you know, but if we allow ourselves to feel and express 10 points of pain, we get to express, to feel and express 10 points of joy. Does that make sense how, how I'm saying yeah, 100%. that? And so yeah. when you, you think about the difference of when you were, I don't know, 6, 17, whatever, 16, 17, and you were you were just sort of sitting on that one pointer, you know, like, oh, I'm fucking cool, you know, um, you know, that sort of stuff. You, you, you're kind of locked, you know, it's kind of like you're locked into this um, no emotion, no feeling, just, just this lockup, but then you get mature for, for a particular purpose as well. And you go, oh, I feel the feels right over here and I feel the feels right over there. Suddenly your world just opens up. Do you, you know, you suddenly you start to appreciate the how life can be, Do you, you know, that it, that it, if, if you feel the feels both way, you're really living. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And like when, like you said before, when you put on that mask when you're younger, like when I was younger, a lot of people won't admit it because they're scared of yeah. what people think. But yeah, you walk around, you, you think you're top shit. You think you don't care what you think. It's funny to not try at school. You think it's funny to do whatever. You think it's funny to get on the piss every weekend. But yeah, there's always that thought in the back of your mind. You won't admit it to anyone. I have no problem with admitting it now because mm. you know, I think I kind of think not uh, my purpose a little bit is yeah, to be authentic, to be as real as possible. I think that's something people really. Appreciate it on the run. Like I said, I admitted every time I was crying out there, I admitted everything was hard. It's, mm. I mean, it's one thing with social media that a lot of people show you the cars, the houses, and stuff that everything's all good. You know, they can't, a lot of people can't go out for a coffee or something without putting it on their Instagram, Instagram story mm. and acting like they live this jam packed life. But yeah, I think yeah, my big thing was just being honest and there was, there was nothing wrong with breaking down and crying. And yeah, I don't lie anymore about I was, when I was a dickhead and used to walk around like, Oh, I was the coolest thing ever. Like I was unhappy. There was always a thought in the back of my mind of what could be doing. That's that's what I tell people. There's, I don't think I've got any God-given talents at all. Um, anyone can go and do what I've just done. It's, it's not about the running, the achievements of running don't don't matter at all. It's about having crack of whatever it may be in your life. Whether it's, yeah, it's, it's university, where maybe it is running, it's swimming, it's whatever. Everyone's kind of got that chip on their shoulder. But, you know, a lot of a lot of people won't won't admit it. And it's very easy for people to put put a label on someone like me and just saying, you know, he, he is a good runner, he is, he is that. I can guarantee it's not. I just I was unhappy. I said I'm going to change something. I said I'm going to do something. I stuck it out and did it. Yeah. And, you, by the way, you'd rather the label of he had a crack and he made a difference to someone than the label of he's a bloody dickhead. Yeah, like it's a it's it's a big difference of that label. So speaking of being a good fella, oh, sorry, you were going to say something? No, I was going to say, yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's one of the biggest, the main things I think about every day is what what would you want someone to say about you? Yeah. Back three or four years ago, I probably wouldn't have been been that happy with what someone would, would have said about me. So it was my, my job and my duty to change it. Yep. A hundred percent. You've hit on something really important. It's your responsibility, your job and your duty. And what I get so pissed off about is people blaming other people for who they are, Do you, you know, and, and putting lids on themselves and playing the victim and it's not my fault. Well, fuck, it is your fault. It is up to you. It is your responsibility. Like, you know, we're all 
fair enough, you have a shitty childhood, like not you didn't, but you know what I'm saying, that's kind of stuff. But yeah. once you're an adult, step up and take responsibility and say, it is up to me to bloody make my life and it is up to me what people say about me because the way I behave. So I, I, I love that you said that. Now, when you came into Rosedale, was Xavier there? Yep, Zay was there. Yep, Zay's family. Um, they they held the um, like the the finish line as I ran through that. So it was his mom, dad, um, his mom, dad, himself, and his sister. So they, oh, and Mavo, my old boss, was the first one I seen across the line. And then yeah, they they were the second lot of people. So yeah, that, that was pretty cool. How'd you feel when you saw him? Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty amazing. It was just like, because like I said, you were just we were so alone for those first. 14 days like it was just i know if you've ever driven over to adelaide or done it like yeah. there's yeah. there's not much going on in those rural towns like you're reading all the messages and you came in contact with zay but just seeing him and knowing it was over and knowing that not knowing i was finally in Rosal, i didn't have to run anymore and yeah how, how excited he was he i think he was he, he was more excited than me there were a few people that were more excited than me i reckon <laughs> <laughs> that the run was over um but yeah it was, that was, it was pretty cool seeing him and his family just that was actually the first time i'd actually met like he his mum probably and his siblings and everything. It was pretty cool to see how appreciative they were. Like you made people that you didn't know cry. <laughs> so it was um it was pretty cool. So when when we we're talking before about you being a dickhead earlier, when you ran into um Rosedale, did you look around that crowd and look at people and and think two years ago, you know, I was a, a dickhead and here you are, like to someone and here you are. I'm not saying you're a bad, bad to anyone. Do you know what I mean? But but here you are now. Like, this is you thinking that. Here you people are now out to support me and I couldn't be more proud. Was that, that sort of stuff going on yeah, in your mind? Yeah, 100%. It was even like running through my own head. Like, you think about it the whole time, you're like, as if, as if you've done this and you see that many people lying out on the street. And, yeah, I don't like to indulge in my own achievements too much because there's always something something more I could be doing. But, like, yeah, I, I thought there's, like, seeing that many people, it'd be, I felt a bit awkward and uncomfortable almost with them. like, I went to hell and back there those first 10 days. Everyone's here for a reason. Just enjoy it. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. And to see yeah, how many people it actually did affect. Like I said, it was so much more more than a run in the end. And it wasn't about – it was never a thing to showcase how far I can run each day back to back to back. It was a thing to show people like Xavier that, that we do care. We are we are willing to help. And they, they don't just have to be a statistic or a number. No, I love that. But I think it also shows that – we each of us can do more than we think we can do. do. You know, we each of us has got something in us, and and when we do good for others, we heal a lot of ourselves too. We heal a lot of our own um, pain because we face our demons. You know, when we do hard stuff for other people, and well, yeah, exactly, yeah. Like a, we can do so much more than what we give ourselves credit for. Like there's, if you have a look at my my numbers in running, then I'm not actually looking amazingly. I'm pretty slow. My heart rate's pretty up there. So I'd like to think I ran those first few days with my legs and the rest with my mind. And honestly, any, anyone could go out. Oh, probably not anyone. You people are going to break down or something like yeah, I was. Not, yeah. But, yeah, a lot of people, if you're willing to do something, you put enough hard work in for, for time on end, you can, you can do a fair bit, which is pretty cool. Well, I think our bodies can do way more than than um, we think they can. You keep saying that it's nothing special that you've done, and that you know anyone can do it. No, that's not true. You know, like I know my body. I'm I'm sixty, nearly sixty one. My body is not going to bloody you know hammer it hammer it home from uh, <laughs> Adelaide to Rosedale on a run. But it, it's you know. You don't like I know I know it doesn't matter what I say you're still going to have your your view of yourself but don't underplay what you've done and and it's it's not even the fact of the running it's it's the it's the fact that you you thought beyond yourself you cared beyond yourself you know that you, you're actually setting a a really great role model example that if we care about other people amazing things can be achieved and that's forty five thousand dollars that it, it you know it came from somewhere but it didn't exist before that does that make it didn't exist in their bank account before you did that and there's 300 families out there 200 to 300 families out there that you'll never meet you know that that um have just got it easier because of you and this ripple effect of kindness is um it's astounding you know we think we're doing something for one person but the ripple effect is reaching out to so many and then each of those people because they have less stress because they can afford to stay somewhere you know they can say so they're going to extend kindness to the next person do you know and it just 
the butterfly effect, the ripple effect, just re- it extends so far, all because we had a good thought and said, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a bit better. So I know you're underplaying it for your own because you don't want your ego playing a role in it. But um, as far as your running goes, but you know, it's don't underplay. Um, like just I don't know, be proud of yourself for the ripple effect that you've had. You know, adding no, thank to you. The- I appreciate it. Yeah, it is. Well, yeah, I, I did the running bit. Yeah, like you said, it's a compounding effort. Enough people, like some of the donations, like people giving up a thousand, two thousand dollars. Yeah, it's it's a compound, it's a compounding feat. Which I kind of knew if I was doing what I did, it was going to grab enough attention. People were going to reach pretty deep into their pockets, and it was going to going to go to going to go to a good place. Which ultimately it has. I think part you just said um, something. I can't remember what you said there, but something about. Um, this is what's going through my head is that when you were preparing, you were um, showcasing it enough, you know, you're talking about it enough. And I think one of the things that made people really jump on board was your authenticity through your training is you're keeping people updated and you were also saying shit today was bloody hard. You weren't going, oh, look at me, fucking legend. Yeah, running around. Yeah. You know, you weren't doing that. You were like people were on the journey with you. You really took them. Um, through the process with you. And I think that matters. People feel like they belong. They feel like they're having some ownership. Hey, I donated to that. Now I'm part of this, Do you know, and and you were not being a wanker about it. You were sharing the good days and the bad days. And, I, you know, I think that that's what earned you a lot more a- admiration, you know, a lot more support. So I think that was great. Yeah, I can say it. Well, like, people don't need help through, through the good times. So everyone knows how to handle the good times. So it was like, like I said before, it's easy for people to put a label on someone. Like uh, mm. I'm only human. When the alarm clock goes off at four a.m. and it's going to be forty-three <laughs> degrees that day, I've got to run sixty k's. It's not. It's not fun. So a lot of people sit there, and, and I used to be that guy. I used to think yeah, it must just be easy for him to, because it makes you feel better about the effort. You're not applying to certain things, but yeah, it's like last year sucked. It was, <laughs> was shit getting up at four or four o'clock every morning to go and run outside for two hours when it's raining. And so yeah, it make, makes people. Kind of realise, oh, right, he's putting himself to the sword. He does. He is hating every second of this, which I did. I wanted to be. The run yeah. sucked. It was, uh, every step I wanted to stop. No, I don't, there was not one part of me that wanted to do it, but it was serving serving a greater purpose. Well, it's so much easier, isn't it, to be? Um, it's so much easier to be self absorbed and go. I don't want to do this. It's too frigging hard. I'm going to lay in bed and I'm going to play on my PlayStation or I'm going to sit on the couch and be a dick and drink beer and sit around and talk shit, you know, and whatever, that's easy. Like that that stuff is easy to do. Yeah. And so why wouldn't you choose the easy path as opposed to the hard path? But we've as we've touched on, I feel shit about myself because I'm not doing something great, do you, you know, but it's easy, or I feel bloody great about myself, Do you, you know, and, and to feel great about yourself often takes a lot of work. It often takes pain, yeah, you know, to get Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. It does, and enough people. I get like I'm willing to help anyone, but I get enough people that do ask me questions on how to do this. But we all know what we have to do, um, like to feel better, to do it better. Um, and like I'll, I'll help anyone when they do ask, but it just annoys me when people keep coming back. Or the reason they haven't moved anywhere is because they don't want to put in any any effort. We all know what we have to do to feel better, look better, yeah. do better. So. Yeah, it's um if, if you want to change something badly enough, you'll do it. But yeah, too many people talk about talk about doing the thing. Yeah, yeah, and everyone wants a magic bullet. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. If there was a button we could all press that made, made us a good run and made, made us yeah, feel better, we would all press a button in a heartbeat. Yeah, bloody there, There's no button. It just it sucks to do, and but you just have to do it, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, one last question on you feeling proud and your fair, your parents. I'm sure your parents have both said they're bloody proud of you. Yep. And how has your relationship with them improved because of this, doing this together? Yeah, it's pretty yeah, – it definitely has improved. Not that it was ever bad. Like, mum, dad and I are all close. Yeah. Mum's, yeah. mum's the proudest mum you'll ever, ever meet by, by a fair stretch. But, um, yeah, like she's just, I think when I come to her around nine months ago, whatever it was, whenever I, I said I was going to do this run, she was – she was a little bit against it, but then, yeah, I think, yeah like, like anyone, um, she seen me putting myself through hell each day. And, yeah, she was just so proud. Like, she was the first one to break down the finish line. So it was her, her and Nan were the first two. And then 
yeah, like, you know, you know, daddy's pretty, pretty reserved, pretty quiet type of guy. He doesn't show his emotions too much. And yeah, for him to tell me that, that's probably what means most. Like my dad tells you like how proud of it he is, and like dad, not that dad's unfit or anything, but though like, dad's been going to the gym and what like, riding his bike and stuff. Like he says, it makes you kind of realize what what you want to do. That's the best because yeah, it's like dad and I we're, we're close to that. I love him to bits, but yeah, he's he's a pretty reserved type of guy. Yeah. Yeah, and it makes you. I'd pro, I bet you can probably now have more really authentic, open conversations now without the kind of, yeah, that, uh, yeah. Without, yeah. Well, I think that's wonderful. Now, um, Brock, what is next? Because like you're not gonna. I, I don't expect you to say, "All right, well, I'm going to run from Bali to bloody anyway, whatever." I don't know what's. Yeah. It, I'm sure you've got. You've. It's become addictive. What's um. What's next? Yeah, so yeah, you're correct. The bug has bit me. It won't be yeah. tomorrow. Um, I'm conscious I've only got one body. Um, I'm still in a little bit of recovery mode from last year, but I'll, next next December or December in 2026, I'm going to be trying to break the record for the fastest run from the southernmost to the northern northernmost point of New Zealand, which is it's Cape Rianga to Bluff. It's around it's about 2100 kilometers, and the record is 20 days and 16 hours. So I've got to run far and I've got to run quick. So it'll be quite the challenge. It's like it's a whole nother ball game. Like what I've just done is nothing really compared to what I'm going to have to try and do. But I've got two, two to three years to train my ass off for it. So, yeah, like wow. like the run show, I can do a fair bit. Times on me side with a good support group. I think I think we can do it for sure. So it's kind of it's almost twice as hard as what you've just done. Literally, if you put a number on it, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty much twice as hard. <laughs> yeah. 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 But um. But the fact that you've, I always say with building confidence, you know, because I do a lot of work with confidence with people and it's like, it's just, you, you've you only got to get one success, you know, you've only got to prove to yourself, oh, hang on, I did that, you know, and then it starts to go, to build the momentum to say, well, like, if I practice and if I keep doing it, I'm just going to get better and better and better. So um, I, yeah, okay, that is fantastic. I reckon that will be um I, I have no doubt. I have no doubt that you'll break the record. And even if you don't, even if you don't, because you've got to say that as well. Still, what a what a feat! Are you going to raise money? Are you planning to do that? To yeah, hundred percent, I will. Whether it's for the Sony Children's Foundation again or not, I mean, yeah, the proudest part of some of the things I've done with the running, whether it's just races or like last year, there's is the money I've raised. Um, it likes it'll it'll never it'll never be a thing to show to show off how far. I can run. That's just the vehicle of choice I've kind of taken for it because it's something I, yeah. I can do. But yeah, I will. I'm not. I'm not too sure on the charity. It could be the Sony Children's Foundation. But yeah, either way, it'll be for something that um, yeah, pe- people in need. Um, yeah. it, it will help them. So yeah, I haven't chosen yet. I will closer to the date. But yes, yeah, so yeah. it will be for charity. No, that's fantastic. Um, where can people follow you? Where's the yeah, best so place? I've got two Instagrams. I'm not too active on one, which is. Brock Williams underscore training. My main Instagram is Brock Williams. Two yes. on there, and that's kind of the main thing that um I'm I'm active on. That was where everything from the run was on on Facebook. I'm just Brock Williams, and yeah, they're about the only two social media account. I'm not on not on TikTok or anything like that. So yeah, they're, <laughs> they're, 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 what was that? Sorry, you haven't got time to be on bloody TikTok. <laughs> uh, no, no time for it. I'm not 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 big on all that type of stuff. <laughs> 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 or, or bloody Snapchat and, and your streaks. You'd never get any running done. You yeah, do I'm, I'm not too big on that. All that. There's better better places to put me time into. A hundred percent. Absolutely. All right. Well, I would like people to go and follow you there, Insta and Facebook, and and start following your journey and you know cheer you on and hopefully donate. You know when you do start the next one and. Oh, I think it's wonderful. Thank you for coming on and sharing the update. And um, thank you for having me back on. I really appreciate it. It was good to talk about it. Yeah, really good. And well, I'm sure you've inspired a lot of people. Maybe not to do the run, but maybe to uh, maybe um, not to run, but to have a bit of <laughs> uh, that, that was the purpose of it all. Yeah, just to have a crack at something that that that, that means means gives a lot of meaning and purpose to your life. So, so yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah, so I'm sure you've inspired that. So thank you very much, Brock. I really appreciate it. Uh, pleasure. Thank you, Kez. I really appreciate you having me on. My pleasure. All right. Catch you soon. Awesome. Thanks, Kez. Bye. See ya. All right, guys, I hope you really enjoyed that. Um, go back and listen to Brock about probably about six months ago, and we were talking about the, his um, preparation for the run, and um, he did it. And how fantastic. I really hope that has inspired you because thinking about, you know, doing something that's, 
actually quite physically challenging and mentally challenging, to be honest, and then breaking down, um, you know, physically, uh, which as far as I'm concerned also causes mental breakdowns because that's bloody hard. But pushing through that and knowing that it's for a cause much bigger than himself and raising $45,000 for the Sony Children's Foundation is just bloody but inspiring, marvellous, admirable, all of those great words. And as Brock said, you know, like to to be a dickhead, to go to and, and have a mask and, you know, try to be cool, to go to somebody who's living a truly authentic life, doing things for other people and really feeling the feels of life and really stepping into that. You know that that's that's something we should all aspire to, and most of us don't find it that young. Most of us don't find it until we're fifty or so, until we start to think, "Oh, screw other people, I don't care." But if you are younger and you're listening to this, gonna get that bloody mask off. Start start really being uh, true to yourself, authentic. You know, let the world see who you are, and and don't be ashamed of that. Be really proud of of who you are, because uh, Brock's evidence that if you do that kind of thing, you know, great things happen and you make a great difference. So I really hope you enjoy that. Go follow him on Instagram at Brock Williams and Facebook, the same, Brock Williams. And I really would love you to follow his journey and, you know, potentially donate when he does his next big run in a, in a year or two from uh, one end of New Zealand to the other, trying to break a record. So fingers crossed that he does. Okay, I will leave it there. Thank you very much for joining me again. Have a wonderful week. See ya. Thanks for joining me. I hope this episode inspired you to take action. If you'd like to reach out, then I'd love to hear from you. Info at getoffthebench.com.au and check out my website, kerrenvaughan.com. Otherwise, keep believing in yourself, celebrate the tiny wins and keep moving in the right direction. 